So, what is it? So, what is it? So, what is it? The Red Wolf Podcast! Good evening, welcome to So What Is It? What is it? What is it, guys? A, a red, red dwarf, dwarf podcast! That was almost in sync. Very difficult to do when we're talking over webcams, but hey, not too bad at all. It is a Red Dwarf podcast, and it's also the Red Dwarf podcast for the last episode of Series 3. We've got this far. 18 episodes of red wolf in and I, I i would say another good one i would say another good one i'm gonna to go to dan first what do you think another good one dan yes it was an absolutely brilliant episode <laughs> brilliant matt what did you think i thought it was a, i thought it was a very pleasing um very good episode not one of the very best but i did think it was still of a good standard well, they can't all be the very best, but hopefully a high enough bar to make it enjoyable. Now, we've all sent our rankings in uh, recently. Matty, what did Uh-oh. you think of this episode? <laughs> oh, should, should we be worried? <laughs> this, was not that, this was not my favourite episode. I did not that, really that's fine. like it this It doesn't one. have to be your favourite. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, I made sure at least this time, because last time, if you remember when I sent you my list, you got really pissed off by the way that I worded the last one. <laughs> <laughs> which was thoroughly entertaining so this time i just put fifth place this the, the one we just saw and um yeah it was no, sixth, sixth place you put this one sixth you put this place, one last sorry. yeah yeah which doesn't necessarily make it bad because i have to say anything i put in last in our rankings this time around was not a bad episode yeah. for me at all i mean did you you said enjoyed it i hope yeah i still enjoyed it i definitely enjoy it i just didn't enjoy it anywhere as much as i have the others i feel like this series the bar has been upped so much and the episodes, you know, the episodes have been up to themselves as well. I just thought it, it didn't really follow that that suit like all the other episodes have. Yeah, I, I mean, you weren't quite so fond with Body Swap when we were talking about it, I seem to remember. But but yeah, overall things have been definitely higher, which we'll get onto more a little bit later when we have a general chat about our wrap-up. But it was nice to see, I thought, we got an episode about Crichton, didn't we? Matt, you must have been pleased about that. Yeah, I mean, it was it was great that he actually did have something to do. I mean, um, it's sort of towards the second half of, of this series, he has had more to do, but it was good with the, for the fact that you did actually get more of Crichton. I mean, I don't know if that was at the expense of other characters. As I said, it wasn't one of the, it wasn't one of the very best I've seen, but it was still enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, we always have this thing about the expense of other characters, and they can never get the balance exactly right. But hopefully, over the series, we get a good look at all the characters, don't we? And and definitely for me, Crichton has come through in this series, and they've. They've definitely introduced him and brought him to the fore a bit more, I think. I, I, I assume that was intentional, Dan. Do you think that was intentional? I think so. I mean, we've, in this series and in each, I think, we've, we've speculated, haven't we, about the order they might have recorded them in and whether that was the same as the order that they broadcast them in. If this, whether, whenever they made this one, it was well worth waiting for to, to really and truly meet Crichton and find out much more about what makes him tick the things that he the things that are important to him and 
and uh, you know, I'm I'm glad that they did. We got to see so much of Crichton after he definitely mastered the voice, which uh, there were one or two episodes where he was still experimenting uh, between <laughs> scenes. But no, I, for me, I thought this was this was cracking. I've always thought Robert Llewellyn as Crichton was one of the brilliant things about Red Dwarf, and and this was a, just an opportunity to revel in that. Really, I really really enjoyed the episode, and I if you didn't before, you you've got to love Crichton surely. I mean, what do, you, do you love Crichton, Matt? Are you, are you happy as he's in place? I mean, we know he's got a, a jerky middle name. Personally, I don't much like the 2X4B. I, I think it's a jerky middle name. <laughs> but at least it wasn't uh, 2Q4B. But have you enjoyed Crichton in this series after all our laughs about it in series two? Yeah, definitely. You've enjoyed, enjoyed his presence? Yeah, definitely enjoyed his presence. I'm, I'm happy he is now part of the team opposed to an additional character. Good. Well, let's, let's do a, a quick first um, favourite thing from the episode i'll go to you first matty if you like so you i'm, I'm sure there were lots of things you liked really but what was one of your favorite moments from the episode i i i, I liked the the crying being drunk was quite was quite funny i did like the whole the drunk the drunk side of things that did make me laugh um holly i thought very much had so little to do in this episode but the bits that she was actually in the the drunk holly in between i, I thought was quite funny yeah she did that well she did mm. very well uh matt yeah, I was gonna say I like I liked drunk Holly, but my favourite bit was when um, they're talking about Lister's childhood, and uh, Rimmer said you were the fruit of illicit forbidden passion, your <laughs> forbidden passion fruit. I really laughed at that. That was great. Yeah, good stuff, Dad. I I I highlighted quite a few bits to be fair, but I think one of my favourite lines wasn't wasn't that clever, but it tickled me relatively early on. When uh, when they're discussing Silicon Heaven, of which yeah. more later yeah. I've no doubt, and uh, and and Crichton appeals to uh, to to Lister, you know, don't you believe that God is in all things? Aren't you a pantheist? To which Lister says, Yeah, but I'm not a frying pantheist. <laughs> and, yeah, I yeah just... of course, li linked into the utensils don't have a God. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you've made my choice a bit easier because I was I was wavering whether that was going to be one of mine. So. Um, uh, yeah, uh, there's quite a few things. I'm, I'm going to choose a nice, obvious, crass one. I do like when they were introducing Hudson 10 and he said they said he's stronger. <laughs> and we get the unzipping and the breaking of the brick. Yeah. <laughs> yes. With an appendage that Crichton, we find out, doesn't have. Of course. Indeed. He's like action man down there. Can Hudson write his name in the snow with that? I was well? going to say, how does he write his name in the snow? <laughs> Yeah, nice a nice line from Cat. Although I suppose Cat has been in snow, but when has he had the opportunity to write his name in the snow like that? <laughs> Is this a, a Matt confession time? Matt, any stories to tell us about writing your name in the snow? <laughs> in Lewis's No, <laughs> no not, not this week. Don't not mention don't mention Lewis's. <laughs> <laughs> Look at my face. <laughs> okay, uh, there's some good moments. There, there were lots of good moments uh, all round. I mean, I, I felt it was, um, I thought it was a really strong episode. I, I never sort of clocked this one in my head as as strong as episode as what it was, but there was a lot of great moments quite early on. I think. Well, I couldn't take any more. I don't blame you. You spoke to five people and they all committed suicide. <laughs> I wouldn't mind, but one was a wrong number. Dan's already picked up on that nice conversation with the uh, pantheism and stuff like that. I mean, I, I do like the joke at the beginning. Female topless boxing? Coming in and all that stuff. But uh, I, I thought it was quite quite good with a few jokes snappily at the beginning. Did you think so, Matt? Yes, not overly, but there was, you know, one or two. Um, it was interesting to see. Uh, now, I wonder if Matty actually knows this. Did you, did you see the video with Jim Reaper 
which I thought was a good good pun on names. Do you know who the guy who the guy is in the video for um, Jim Reaper? Do you know who that is, what, Matty? Robin Robin Ro- um, Lewerin. Yes. Yeah, he's quite. It's quite the place. Quite. He's Crichton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one. That's one of the first things I picked up on. But he obviously, I'm one of those people. I know Robert Lewerin from um, Scrap Heap Wars. Um, what's it called? Scrap Heap Wars. Challenge. Scrap Heap Challenge. Scrap Challenge. That's it. I'm thinking the American version. But yeah, well, Robot Wars. Um. No, Robot, Robot Wars was Craig Charles. Yeah. Scrap Heap yeah. Challenge was um, Robert, but that's from where I know him. So, uh, I, it was weird to see him so like so much younger. I've never seen him actually young. So, yeah, <laughs> and because before I couldn't pick, I knew it was him, but I couldn't picture Crichton as him. I couldn't picture the voice, but now I heard him in that video. I can hear the Crichton voice in there. So yeah, and it was the head. Jim Reaper was the head of. Diva Droid Sales Space Division. Diva Droid. It sounds Diva like Droid. some sort of like Essex-based kind of like robotics company or something. Diva Droid. <laughs> but talking of droids, I mean, I absolutely love the Mariner Monroe droid. Oh, oh God's sake! Goodness me, it's Marilyn Monroe. Uh, oh, that cracks me up. And you know, it's sort of obvious when it comes on. <laughs> Comes on and then walks to the wall. I just think stupidly brilliant about that. <laughs> it, was, it was it was quite frightening. <laughs> but Marilyn Monroe again. They do have a little bit of an obsession with Marilyn Monroe, and of course we get Peterson. Peterson bought it. We're still getting mentions of Peterson quite a lot, aren't we? Really, if you think back over the series, he's, he's been mentioned a few times still. And I wonder, if that, I wonder when that's if that's going to get dropped. Really, was um, the, they they talked about Peterson having bought uh, the Marilyn Monroe doll on on I think it was Callisto. They made a reference to dollar pound. Uh, mm. Is that the first reference to the currency that they use, or did I just yeah. miss it previously? I don't know. Didn't um, the amount of money that he um, that Rimmer had saved in Maroon wasn't that so and so dollar pounds? Oh, you might very well be right. Yeah, I stand corrected. It, I, it didn't. It hadn't logged in my head prior to that. But no, you are right. I thought it was a. I thought it was a mistake the first time I heard it. So I had to, I had to watch it again. Now going on to a couple of themes for this week. Um, there's quite. There was quite a lot about religion in this episode, wasn't there? I mean, we did not quite as heavy as back in series one. But, possibly but we had quite a few references obviously the silicon mm. heaven thing and mm. that's the quite obvious one <laughs> humans don't go to heaven no no someone someone just made that up to prevent you from all going nuts then we had your pantheism thing you've already mentioned which is a i mean i wouldn't have necessarily thought lister was a pantheist as such it was there for the joke i'm sure but yeah it came up and then we had rimmer with the seventh day advent hoppists <laughs> yes Unfortunately, their version had a misprint. <laughs> it was all based on 1 Corinthians 13, where it says, Faith, hop, and charity. <laughs> and the greatest of these is hop. I think Dan's brought his Bible along well, to me. The, the actual passage, and obviously other translations are available, this is the Good News Bible that my uh, great-aunt uh, <laughs> gave me when I was eight, uh, reads, Meanwhile, these three remain faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. And that's uh, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13, um, and there endeth the lesson. Um, but, um, yeah, I, it's one of the jokes that I, I remember most, most fondly, actually. It's sort of stuck in my head. But, again, it's, all, it's, it's a joke there for religions. I mean, but, again, do, you, do we believe that Rimmer's parents really took the Bible literally at this stage? Well, his very, very vivid description of Sunday lunchtime as being a nightmare with trying to serve soup and having to wear asbestos underwear, then um, he thinks that Rimmer is, you know, 
you know, that's another one of his traumatic childhood memories. But I mean, <laughs> blimey, blimey, it's just a, a simple typing error in a in in the Bible can have that much of a that much of an influence on um, someone's lifetime, and especially on Sunday lunches. I mean. Blimey. Well, I was just going to say, I, th- I think, you know, what I mean, and Rimmer says, you know, everyone's entitled to their beliefs. And I think he says that earnestly. Mm. Um, and I think that potentially is a, a for the for the writers gives them permission to then ridicule some beliefs that they choose. You know, they set up artificial beliefs to mock. They're not mocking anybody's genuinely held beliefs, unless any of you have a copy of the uh, of the Android Bible and, and haven't haven't told us. As you say, harking back to bits of series one particularly, they they do explore some of those beliefs and and they and they point out, you know, they weren't pointing out, you know, belief is wrong, but they were pointing out that a literal interpretation of this Bible, which had a misprint in it, is in this case, they 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 help you see that that's that's patently ridiculous. But they do that safely without, I think, challenging any anybody's actual genuine beliefs yeah i mean it, it's a, a joke that does a lot of heavy lifting all in one go it is it's really interesting isn't it because like yeah. you say no one believes that hopping is the right way but yeah all that stuff about interpretation and just through a mistake and whatever and and that says a lot at once as does the sort of silicon heaven stuff and and the uh, obviously the ultimate end of hudson 10 breaking down because he he has a metaphysical dichotomy you know, as all androids would be programmed to have, which is a quite bizarre in some ways, but but it figures heavily a literal interpretation by an android. Yeah, but Crichton does also say the fact that he's um, he's been tracking Crichton for thousands of years, and that's had a um, an effect on his sanity. Sanity chip is worn out too. <laughs> what Dan said earlier on about um, Rimmer being earnest, he really was when he was saying about you know everyone's entitled to their beliefs because he says at least Crichton is happy, you know, happy with um, um, Silicon Heaven. Yeah, I I sort of take that different ways, I think. I mean, uh, Rimmer has often not cared. I mean, through this series, he's he's often had the character trait of being the one that doesn't care, you know, blow the mother away and, you know, who cares? He's just an android. He's made to take orders. He doesn't care about his well-being in, in that sense. And yeah, it's all of a sudden this case he's saying at least he's happy we could look at look at it and just it serves this plot or you know it serves that joke i mean you have to be sincere about that joke to make it work i suppose mm. matty any thoughts on metaphysical dichotomies uh, not that come to mind straight away no no not at all. <laughs> you've got a one-track mind you don't have dichotomies do you absolutely not he is a dichotomy anyone else want to say anything about uh, the religion theme for the moment or should we move on we'll move on Okay, well, let's have a look at a couple of things that that didn't work. I've got a particular thought about what I think didn't work here, but Matthew's been quiet for a little while. He said it was his least favourite episode of the series. Doesn't make it bad, but it was his (laughs) least favourite. So presumably there's one or two things he thought didn't work, hopefully more than just, I didn't laugh at that joke. No, no, not at all. What I found um, is, and this is not get um, Red Dwarf, because it is very good. I have found that the premise of some episodes have been somewhat repetitive and... In the same way that oh, some episodes only in season three. <laughs> well, yeah. Oh dear! But this one, Both well. the, the, the premise. I think it... I think I know what you're going to say, Matty. Go on. Yeah, like the idea of something that starts off with a simple joke, then something big happens, that then the majority of the episode will take over and be like, "How are we going to solve it?" And then the last few minutes is just kind of almost br- done so very quickly or in an, in a very silly way. I feel like there's been no 
big repercussions of a previous episode or something like that. Um, are you are you talking about with the fact with in uh, Me Too, one of the Rimmers was going to get shut down, and then in Queeg, yeah, uh, Holly was going to shut down, and then in this episode, Crichton is going to be deactivated. Exactly that. Exactly that, that was that was my kind of thing. I think they've all been done differently, but is it is effectively a similar plot device. Mm. A, um, across three different episodes on in three different series exactly and i feel it's the pattern is very much the same because when it came to the story of how it's going to happen it wasn't a case of me really thinking oh i wonder what's going to happen it's going to be okay and in the last few minutes it's just going to be just done which is kind of in a way what kind of happened and i think that's one thing i wouldn't say the episode was bad at all and i did enjoy it it was just somewhat there was definitely a predictability to it and uh uh yeah, you could almost, almost, yeah, definitely a predictability. I think, which is what what made me think about this episode in this way. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I mean, it, it, it's um, very difficult approaching a program like Red Dwarf in that sense, I suppose, because as we've said many times, it is a sitcom, yeah. and it's, mm-hmm. it still remains a sitcom. What one of the things I like about it is it does more things than maybe a regular sitcom does, but it's still tied to those constraints, isn't it? Now mm-hmm. we're used to watching more long-form television nowadays a bit more perhaps yeah um and we have a certain expectation so possibly traveling back to a self-contained program like this is harder to view in some ways i mean i don't look at red dwarf like this myself i understand what you're saying but possibly you're approaching it in a slightly different angle than maybe definitely it's expected uh, definitely and i think the thing is what all because of the the points that we watched obviously you guys watched it in the beginning me i'm brand new to it we're all going to approach it in a very different way with very different experiences like you guys obviously watched straight away when it was very new it was a very you know quite a big thing now i'm kind of watching it from probably from the perspective of someone yeah i've I've watched your doctor who's and you know a lot of star wars and things like that whereas a lot of the space stuff and the stories and you know, in a way, you can't help but kind of a, a space age program on the BBC. You can't help but think of like Doctor Who and things like. That. But yeah, I can't. I can't help but compare it. Whereas I think when you guys would have watched it, you wouldn't have. It would have been very different in that way, which is, I think, probably why I see it and somewhat maybe a very cynic mind. I do very much enjoy it, but I can't help but have that cynic side because of what I've experienced before watching it. Yeah, that's that's absolutely a, a fair approach. I mean, I I would say that yeah you have to sort of almost train yourself a little bit because that's not going to change about red dwarf no although it although it does change and develop in slightly different ways it's still always going to be this sitcom format and that's always going to occur it's going to follow the story patterns of have this funny start thing happens yeah they've got to solve a solve a problem it gets solved um let's hang lots of jokes on those yeah actually but one thing you definitely can't say about the show is the development there has been from the first episode to now there's been major development so that's one thing you've got to give massive props to the development in the series series by series that's what i think is, is coming up to series four now every series we've watched something's been very different something's like really picked up really changed um and when it comes to series four i'm almost thinking oh i'm looking forward to what's going to develop next what's going to be the next big thing i mean i i kind of i i do agree with with you to some extent matty i mean um as I said, you know, about the, the fact that there is, seems to be this similar kind of plot device. But I think because they are all approached in a, and sorted in a different way, it makes it does make each episode special in their own merits. 
my one particular bugbear of this episode, and it could quite easily be me um, missing the trick, but they were saying about Crichton is going to be shut down at 7am the following uh, the following morning, and he doesn't. But then it's like Hudson 10 is going to kill, is going to, you know, deactivate him by killing him. What changed for Crichton not closing down at 7 the next morning? Um, Basically, I mean, I, I thought that when I rewatched it, he says, my shutdown disc is activated. Now, that's a bad way of saying I have to activate my shutdown disc, I suppose. That's the only okay. way you have to read it. But they can't spell that out so they can spring the surprise at the end. You know, so I, I, that's how I took it. It's sort of like he's got to activate his shutdown disc. He said it in a way that you probably shouldn't have said it a little bit like the holly joke with the the bomb being disposed of i suppose in in um body swap that we mm. talked about didn't we it's just playing with words a little bit just to not give the game away dan have you got anything to add to to put matty on track <laughs> i think that you know he makes some a, a really good point in terms of the way that he's coming to look at it. And well, I there think, you go. We got there after three series. He's made a really good point. <laughs> you know, and by, and by comparison to that sort of quite quite thought out and philosophical approach, I was just going to say, why does the bazookoid have a, dis, um, a disassembly button? And um, I wasn't a massive fan of when um, Lister puts his breakfast in his hat because, again, <laughs> I thought that was fairly predictable and, and I just felt it took quite a lot of time. Um, it didn't really, but, you know, we're always asked to come up with the bits that didn't quite work for us. Those are the two bits that didn't work for us. Did I mention I loved this episode? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I know you do. I know you do. Um, yeah, I'm only, I'm only joking, Matty. You may, it was one of the good things about having you on the podcast <laughs> is that you are coming from a different perspective, and that's, that's brilliant. It's what I bring um, to Matt, is there, is there anything that you didn't like about this episode at all? Me? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think what let it down for me is is the last scene, really, with Hudson 10. I had no problem with the, the breakfast in the hat. I think that's just a, a continuing character moment for Lister. I mean, our expectations are high. I laugh a lot at this programme, and so when there's something that happens you don't laugh a lot at, it sort of almost feels like a letdown. But for me, the hit rate of jokes and the amount I laugh is continually high. Story-wise and joke-wise... Uh, yeah, the last scene with Hudson 10 turning up. I didn't much like the way they portrayed the character of Hudson 10. I thought his his 80s robot voice was a bit naff. Didn't so I don't feel as though we got the best out of this this monster robot that we. Because you think had. it was it was meant to be like a, a sort of like a Terminator pastiche with yeah, the, it, it when he was yeah. looking looking at the characters and like you were a viable target, you know the yeah. That's what I thought. It was it, it was that sort of thing, which is fine. But but then the action sequence at the end was, you know, I know we're doing it as a, a quick sitcom and I've already defended it for that basis, but the action sequence when he was attacking them just wasn't that great. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I felt that ended the, the what was a strong episode in a slightly damp way. So, and it's that sort of thing, isn't it? The last impression of an episode you get um, is maybe the one you leave with. And, and I thought it had been great. I thought the episode had been really great up until that last scene but even then when i went back and rewatched it again to make notes there's good stuff in that last scene 
um, but it just overall didn't like the Hudson 10 that much and the it, way the action sequence it, was it was, it was so 90s the way it was though because it literally you would have thought if it's supposed to be the next Crichton the next something's supposed to be helpful and kind and it came in basically sounding like this it kind of just like screws the whole it well, that sounded the... better, to be honest. That sounded better. <laughs> just gone with that. Yeah. yeah, he did. I just I wanted to give the guy a strepsil. I thought it's just you know you got yeah, sore throat, mate. Exactly. <laughs> I didn't understand yeah. the reason to make the character like that. Like, yeah. Do you know? Who, do, you, do you know who the guy is, um, Matty? No idea. I don't know who it was actually. He's called Gordon Kennedy. He was he was um, oh, part yes, of yes, a, yes, um, there was a comedy program on Channel Four called Absolutely, which was um, on a, like a, a sketch show, and I think most of them were Scottish. There was a Welsh guy on there as well. Some of it was amusing. Some of it was quite dark. He also was the ill-fated presenter of the first lottery shows, and oh. I think he got like I think he got canned quite uh, quite quickly. What, was it was it because yeah. he was just like. And the first number is four and two, forty-two. <laughs> Lucky number seven. <laughs> well, they kept him on if he'd done that. As it was. I don't, I, I don't think he was quite as sparkly as um, Dale Winton or uh, what she called. <laughs> Very Carol Smiley. sparkly as Dale Winton, to be fair to him. And, and Carol it, it, Smiley. Look at, looking at the way that ended, for me... I mean, I agree with you. I think it wasn't a brilliant ending. It, it was a little bit flat. There were moments, but yeah, it was a little bit like Polymorph ended insofar as they'd had a good episode and it's like, oh, geez, look at the time, wrap it up. And so you get a Butlin's Michael Ironside as the bloody... Uh, as, as <laughs> and, 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 and it was just, yeah, it, it, it wasn't its strength. I mean, they, they sort of explained it. Oh, it's the one opportunity he has to to uh, to break his programming and and he'll destroy Crichton if if you haven't done it but he doesn't sort of come through the door in the way that um you know that you would expect a replacement for Crichton to to do he's holding a shotgun when he walks through the door he's not coming yeah. in to find out what's going on he's already tooled up he's ready to go <laughs> so yeah it wasn't uh, it was it wasn't great I mean, um, I, I, I think I could forgive some of the, the the situation. I just didn't quite like the way it was played out. Like you mentioned, Seco Dan, the sort of the bazookoid having the dismantle joke was, yeah, that was sort of poor because it also made you think, well, why haven't they shot this bugger already anyway with this bazookoid? Why didn't Cat shoot him or Lister shoot him properly? It didn't seem to work quite. I mean, I'm going over the top. It yeah. wasn't that bad. Yeah, no, I it, was, it was just the thing that stood out. Matt, you wanted, you were started to say something. Yeah, the um, the bit that I really actually did like about that last scene was it only just very very briefly when Crichton says that he's programmed not to harm humans, and obviously Rimmer realizes that he's no longer <laughs> human, and uh, or d doesn't realize that he's no longer human. Sorry, I should say. And he advances on him and goes, "All right, Milano, the party's over. <laughs> I've had just about as much of this as I'm going to take." And I just thought, yes, he's not said Milano for ages. <laughs> Take your silly oiled nipples. <laughs> yes. I mean, there were good jokes in there. I mean, that room of it was great. He was covering the rear. He did that. You know, you know, you won't like me. You know, it's a skidaddle pronto and all that. I mean, that, that's good. <laughs> that was good rimmer stuff. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah, when I went back to it, there were those nice bits in there, and all his looking at them—the viable targets and barely human. <laughs> what the hell? But it was, <laughs> but it was so like when Crichton said, you know, the whole thing's a big con and Silicon Heaven's not real, and then he just like kind of goes, mm. it would have been, it would have been much better if it exploded, <laughs> like like in Polymorph or like Rimmer, the end of the pre uh, of one of the previous episodes. 
you know that would have been like a kind of a good kind of like funny theme throughout the um the <laughs> <laughs> the end of the episodes of like things exploding but you know? to be fair that the, the budget has gone up but they've still got a budget I, I suppose they can't blow everything up so i guess those things are taken into account unfortunately we're, we're looking at a sense of oh yeah if you if you could do whatever maybe they thought they wanted to make his head blow up that would have been better but um mm. you know but it's cheaper to have him go hmm like, yeah. <laughs> like you say <laughs> But yes, but I don't want to harp on too much about that because the rest of the episode I thought was really good, but and that maybe affected the the end. I mean, Matty, what was that part of it? It was. I mean, did, do you come away from something with the last impression? I mean, if you chop that last bit off, would the your impression of the episode go up? Do you think? I mean, I think obviously we definitely need that last part of the episode, otherwise none of it would have made sense. But it's. I definitely say, no, I, I look at the whole episode. I will look at the whole episode as a whole and I can take that bit out and say, yeah, everything else was funny. It will just kind of leave me with more of a bit of taste of... Oh, I, I think we should look at the whole episode because we have focused on certain bits quite closely, but there were some corkers. Like oh. when they're talking about um, Lister going to France and vomiting off the top of the um, the Eiffel Tower and it landing in Montmartre and someone buying it thinking it's a genuine Jackson Pollock. That was great. <laughs> You know, yeah. and I mean, we feel like we already talked about it because we've done the quiz, but we had the Uncle Frank story with uh, yeah. Sarah and Alex. <laughs> I mean, we had we've had got a lot more good childhood stuff, not just Rimmer this time as well. Dan, we mm-hmm. had a bit of Lister backstory, and we haven't talked really talked about the party. I don't no, know, that's, I what I, like... that's what I was just going on to. That's why I tried to bring Dan in with a bit of Lister backstory. We'll, we'll <laughs> go on. We'll, we'll do it. We'll do it. Let's just do it. <laughs> it, it, it did have some brilliant lines. We did we did hear more uh, about about Lister's backstory. Um, there were just uh, uh, we touched on it just earlier on. I mean, it had it had my favourite Holly bit, although she only had about four. Where she was where she was um, talking about the uh, the the android uh, alcohol probably being lethal to androids as well. But I thought you know, <laughs> and then she pulls that face, and I thought that was brilliant. Again, we yes. talked about, haven't we, yeah. about Holly as just a face. But she did a really good job. Would anybody else like some? Oh no, it's lethal to humans. But it's probably lethal to androids, to be honest. But I don't think it matters since tomorrow you're going to be. Not enough, Holly. But but what mm-hmm. she did was really nice. But yeah, in, in that party, you know, it, it takes a turn, doesn't it? As Cat points out, you've had the you've had the fun bit of uh, being drunk. Now you get to the melancholic stage. And Rimmer Rimmer tells his story, and then everyone else starts saying, you know. Um, Oh, I didn't have a mum either, and it, it, it you know it escalates. And Rimmer's thunder is somewhat somewhat stolen, but I think we will always remember the Uncle Frank story and his first French kiss. So you know. No, I knew that Sarah fancied me, <laughs> but I wasn't too sure about Alice. It worked. <laughs> but yeah, we do, we do get um, we do get Listers being abandoned under a pool table, and again mixed up in my chronology. Have we had that mentioned before? No, that he was no. Uh, he was an orphan in that way, or. No, that we, was we haven't. Time. I think we we might hear of it. it's in my mind, but not from that context. So I think it might. Oh, it get definitely comes back again. Absolutely comes back again. Yeah, it, it did um, give rise to to, uh, to to Matt's favourite line uh, about forbidden passion fruit, which I did laugh out loud at. Good one. But Almost also in the same oh, scene was. Well, you can all have mine. <laughs> Everyone else did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I wonder if you did it while hopping. <laughs> <laughs> Only if it was a Sunday. No, the, the, the party had some great. I mean, I you know, you 
Matt, you talked about um, about the Marilyn Monroe robot. You're, you're a robot. She, you're kidding. Well, she's a robot. You're kidding. And then, oh, it's, the, it's those little flaws that keep a guy interested. Drunk Crichton's brilliant value. I yes. Just, it really yeah. is. Yeah. No, so the, the party, party was a, a great scene, really. I mean, with all the, all the other presents as well. Again, I think Cat was slightly let down, possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, when we, we had the, the nice computer chip from Holly, the robot, obviously. General George S. Patton, commander of the 3rd and 7th Army's Allied Invasion Forces, once stopped off at an Italian field hospital and had his sinuses drained. And we just had the, the selfishness of Cat. The earring, and for a point in our quiz, which other episode was Cat wearing that earring in? <laughs> it, it was <Ooh>. body swap. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I thought it was. I went back and checked and thought, yeah, there it is, there it is. So... That, that's his least favourite. He hates it, but he was—he's worn it before. I did like—I did think that Holly kind of she was tr- doing a really good impression of Pauline Fowler from EastEnders at the time when she went, "Yeah, <laughs> you've been looking in my recipe book." And then when there was, <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Oh my god, where did that voice come from?" But we're talking know, of impressions. Trying... We we had a uh, Rimmer doing a great impression of Crichton. Yes, he did. Mm. Yes, he did. Of course, Chris really Barry is good. an impressionist, so um, that helps. But. Uh... <laughs> He used to work on speaking image. Have we talked about that before? No. Uh, Well, I uh, I will say it, and then Matt will dub over the actual one anyway. But it's fun. It could happen. (laughs) The employment of time in a profitless, non-practical way. But absolutely, I won't now, because you said I'm going to. Uh, No, and that was was really good. I think all credit to Dan. That was was very, very good crime. It was one of my favourite moments. But again, we we, we have, as you say, we talked about the fact that uh, Chris Barry can do voices... Um, better than uh, better than probably the rest of them. Now I've had some feedback um, from a faithful listener. Hello, mum. Um, <laughs> she she says she loves Fact Corner. So Matty, where's our fact of the week? It's a very good point. <laughs> well, while he's looking that up, yeah, I, I, I will say one. I will say it would be it's time for Confession Corner. While he's looking that up, <laughs> it's only a little one today, nothing too embarrassing. When uh, um, Holly's, when, uh, they, they were talking about the Android homebrew that she'd whipped up, and, and Crichton went, "Oh, it's uh, rather pleasant, like uh, Vimto and um, liquid nitrogen." I just kind of thought, "Oh, I could really murder some Vimto." So it's not really a fact corner. I haven't had Vimto for a long, long, long time, and I just it made me really want to want Vimto. Yeah, it made I, me really want Home bargains. I think they got some in home bargains. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm there. I'm there. Other purveyors of cheap crap are available. (laughs) (laughs) How's your your hunt for a fact, Matty? I have found my fact here. I've got it here, and I actually should have mentioned it earlier when someone said, oh, about um, Lester eating food out of his cap. Um, So... Uh, the actual scene, so as we remember, of course, Lister has the hat on, eats food, and then he puts the cap on, and then he takes it off. It then fades into the next scene. The What was supposed to happen was he was supposed to take his hat off and then continue eating off the top of his head. However, the problem was that the Craig, Craig Charles was actually physically sick after doing that, because apparently there were literally bits of hair and things in the food, and he started <laughs> gagging and they had to cut the scene. Um, so there we go. Excellent. Well, probably just as well then. <laughs> right now, we've covered quite a lot in record time, I'd say. Um, so, should we just have a final roundup of one more thing we'd like to mention? Um, I'm going to go to Matty first because he might be running out. 
do you know what? I don't really think. I think we have actually talked about everything on, in this episode. Again, it is, I'm, I'm looking forward to the next series now. Obviously, with the end of Series 3, I'm looking forward to what Series 4 is going to bring. Well, well, we'll cover that in our wrap-up in just a second, so shush. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is just the equivalent no, um, of that going, yeah, 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 and we'll get to that yeah, next week. Next week. <laughs> that is next week's episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, a classic Red Dwarf moment, I think, we haven't mentioned, which was a great one, is... Um, Three million years into deep space, can someone explain to me where the smegger got this traffic cone? Yes! yes that's, what, that's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say next. Yeah, yeah. But that's a big one we haven't mentioned. That's a great joke. Oh. I mean, Kat, ha- Kat has the policewoman's helmet and the suspenders. Um, suspenders. So uh, you got another one to add, Matt? That was it. That oh, was sorry. it. Dan, uh, we're getting confused because we've we've done our next week's quiz already and we've mentioned a few things. Sorry. Well, one, something that we haven't, one of my favourite jokes was, uh, you know, and he referred to it as a deadpan mode when Crichton just turns around to, to Lister and says, well, as my adopted owner, you have to die with me. And Lister has to double take. And I just, I, I, yeah, I thought that was very well delivered. And I do like the occasional revelation that there are other modes to Crichton. So we've had uh, we've had uh, deadpan mode. And I think we've had one or two others in the bad past. Bad taste mode we had. Bad we? taste. Yeah. But I, I bypassed my bad taste chip, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk a little bit more about Crichton, I suspect. Although we've mentioned him quite heavily in this episode. But we'll talk a bit more about him next week. Now, in our wrap-up episode so <laughs> but stay but tuned unless anyone wants to add anything now we'll say goodbye on this episode the last day and almost goodbye in this series um and yeah looking forward to the next one so i'll say goodbye from me matthew goodbye from me matt goodbye from me matty and goodbye from me dan a metaphysical dichotomy has forced this unit to overload and shut down All most of us get is mind that bus, what bus, splat.